Do you love sports? You're in the right place. This is the Game On Podcast with your host, Christian Jones. Here we go. All right, what is up, everybody? This is Christian Jones with the Game On Podcast, and today we have a very, very special guest, Miss Katie Jane Seaton from White House Parker. How are you doing today? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. So today is just going to be a very fun, nonchalant conversation. Yeah. That's all we're going to do today. I Those very are my specialty. Relaxed. Oh, of course. All of us. <laughs> Complete with rabbit holes that we can go down, right? Oh, tons. Yeah. Multiple. Good. So first and foremost, I know I had asked you this previously, but mm-hmm. it wasn't you. Right. It wasn't on the record, it if you will. It wasn't on the record. Yes, sure. Yeah. Sure. So... First and foremost, yeah. what is the best wine for a tailgate? For a tailgate. Um, well, the best wine, in theory, is the one that you enjoy the most, right? Start yes, start there. Then you need to take into your environment. Is it Today's 108 here in Terry County, USA, right? Yes, so if this was Saturday and we were tailgating, um, the idea of drinking some big-bodied, full-mouth red in 108 degrees is not all that appealing. So I would stick with something sparkling or that had an effervescence to it or a rosé. And both of those things can hold up to what comes next at tailgating, which is usually the cuisine, the sticky sweet barbecue, the spicy ribs. So the complexity is there in the wine to match whatever it is, the salty potato chips. Potato chips and, and champagne are the greatest thing ever. We can't call it champagne here because it wasn't grown in Champagne, France, so it's sparkling. And that's the greatest pairing you'll ever have. A really great, dry, sparkling wine and the saltiest, greasiest potato chip you can put together. Really? Mm-hmm. See, I would have never guessed that. Yeah, wine is um, overly complicated on purpose to try and make sales. But if you spend time around just eating and pairing on your own, you'll realize there's a lot of great junk foods. There's Girl Scout cookie pairings. There's there's everything. It's just a little bit of science that's happening in your mouth. It turns into a party. Science. <laughs> science. So we're all chemistry? <laughs> we're all chemistry. Yeah. Lipids. Really fun stuff. You take it. The very best way to learn this is not to go to some highfalutin class or, or read the journals, but to literally find the wines that you enjoy drinking on their own. Take a drink of them, then the foods you eat the most, take a bite of it on its own, and then chew up the food, macerate it really good in your mouth, and before you swallow, and there's a good bit in there, take a drink of the wine and watch what happens. And then you'll begin to understand the terminology that can seem silly, but things like mouthfeel and weight and round on the palate, that's what happens. Science. These are these are <laughs> terms that I am not familiar with. It's okay. You're saying this stuff. Yeah. All I can think of. All I can think of is, have you seen Ratatouille? Uh, my kids have. I don't know that I've sat down and watched it, but same concept, like yeah. when food becomes beautiful, right? Exactly. So there's a yeah. scene mm-hmm. where they take a bite and they drink wine afterwards and yes. there's like fireworks Correct. going off in their head. It's like so, a mixed match. Oh my gosh. Inam, unami? That's actually called unami. Google it. Unami? Unami. I think it's Unami. We should look it up. It is when wine and food reach a state of utter perfection. Really? It is the, in your mouth, yes. So it there's is. a technical term for this. I'm pretty sure it's Unami. Unami. I love the education. It's been a while since I've had to be geeky, and I live about seven lives, so forgive me if I've... Yeah, Unami. I think... Unami. 
guess there was a scientific term for this. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I hope I'm not saying it wrong. So I'm going to come right off the bat and just go ahead and say, I know nothing about wine. Yeah. I'm not going to act like I do. It's I okay. I drank wine once, and in all honesty, it was a terrible experience. <laughs> Fair enough. Fantastic. It was terribly fantastic. It was utterly bad. Yeah. I will never do it again. Okay. Based off that. Now, can you convince me otherwise? Yeah. So statistically speaking, anytime someone has a bad wine experience, they wait eight years to a minimum to try it again. And it must be reintroduced by someone that they love. So a family member or someone that they trust, and then they won't enjoy it until they're eating it with a food, a really powerful food that overrides those markers in your brain. So enjoying wine is the same as talk about sports. It's muscle memory. So you know how we have hitting coaches, batting coaches, you know, all kinds it's the same thing for what is known as your olfactory system, which is the system that combines your sight and your sense of smell and your sense of taste all together. You are educating me on a level <laughs> that I did not know I could be educated on. It's okay. It's okay. And I know nothing. I mean, I just, I know about a pinhead's worth. I mean, wine started with Christ, right? So it was his first party trick. He was like, before I can deal with lepers or hookers or anybody else, must change the water into wine at this here dinner to survive. So you're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of years worth of this amazing product. It's not a product. It's a, it's a living, breathing thing. And it will fail you in the bottle. But it's this wonderful sense of taking a perishable commodity and containing it in a bottle and then having it evolve into something really beautiful. And that's been going on since Christ. So for anyone who thinks they know everything about wine, they don't. They don't. They don't. There's I no way. It. It's so vast. It's so vast. And it's so beautiful and it's so interpretive, right? What you may really, really love, what really may taste great to you, may not appeal to my senses at all and vice versa. True. So it's almost like you had brought up you like my tattoos earlier. I love your tattoos. Well, to me, the tattoos mean something completely different. Very you special. might interpret them as. Correct. So it's kind of the same way. Very much so. Exactly the same way. And in fact, I often photograph anyone who's tattooed with our wine bottles for that very reason. Because it's such a subjective thing. Really? Yeah, so if you, you look on our social media. Together. Yeah. Wow. Wine is art and science. So is tattooing, right? Technically. Technically. Technically, yes. Yeah. So with that being said, me knowing nothing and you knowing what you would call pinheads, a pinheads what, what I yeah. would call an abundance, <laughs> You're take sweet. me through the process, please, because I don't even know where this starts. Well, easy, easy peasy. We're the most heavily farmed commodity as far as labor intensity. We're the most heavily regulated commodity as far as the government, right? Really? Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Okay. <laughs> when you think of wine, do you think of that? Um, no. No. But that's no. who is that's who regulates us under compliance. So so you're sitting here with us today. So we're farmhouse vineyards mm -hmm. is our overall brand. Um we name our sites and our fruit brand or our, our sites and our tasting rooms after and each vineyard, after the, the family that homesteaded there or was, you know, farmed there the longest. So Mr. and Mrs. Parker are who built this house and lived here. This is twenty eight two acres of cotton originally. Um, my husband, Nicholas Seaton, so Farmhouse is made up of four people, Tracy and Anthony Ferguson, and Nicholas and Katie Jane Seaton. Tracy and Nick are brother and sister. They grew up just a couple blocks down the street, and they kept their, their livestock animals here, so their pigs and steers and whatnot, in what is now the back vineyard. Um, when Mr. and Mrs. Parker knew that they were going to, to be older and pass, they didn't have children, they wanted to make sure my husband had the ability to still farm here 
He started when he was nine working this place. Bought his first tractor without a cosigner at 13. So all he knows is an unhealthy psycho amount of full-time work. <laughs> uh, anyway, they got into growing in 2010. They planted the first vineyards, which is out in Meadow where we live. And then he and I had kind of a surprise marriage. I landed in the high plains as a boom, surprise. We were at a wine event and we had a four hour conversation and we eloped 42 days later. So at that time, they had a 30 acre vineyard with intention of planting more. And two things, you'll get a winery who walks a contract, meaning they decide not to take the fruit or you'll have an overage, but making wine yourself as a grower makes you you service your clientele better. You finally understand why they're freaking out about what they're freaking out because you're going through the process yourself. So our intent was not to, you know, become some big wine brand. Our intent was to go through the process so we could better service our clients and in the same time trim our list down to only growing for people who have vineyards themselves so that they have an understanding of farming just like they want us to have an understanding of retail and science and chemistry behind the wine, right? Um, so we made one wine and then three and then nine and now there's many more skews than that. But you're sitting here today at White House Parker on a 22 acre vineyard divided into two blocks planted a year apart. So right now you have Sinso uh, on your left, Morved on your right. We start harvesting. Um, harvest on the Texas High Plains takes place from August through the first about the first week in October. We intentionally plant varieties that have later bud break, meaning not as susceptible to when we might get late freezes, which happen in April and May. We do both hand picking and machine harvest. Machine harvest is predominant here, um, but hand picking happens as well. And so the, the grapes are picked. If it's a white, it's immediately pressed off. If it's a red, it's left on the skin. Uh, for a very small time, if you want rosé, you mean you just want a little bit of color. If you want true big bold reds, then that stays on the skin for a longer period of time. Aged in barrels, then combined maybe with something from a tank, maybe not. Bottled, left to rest in bottle, and then eventually released to the public, depending upon what type and style you're going for. Wow. Yeah. So we employ 25 families full time. Really? Mm-hmm. And... Our vineyard team is an amazing group of women, um, largely women. I mean, we have the same nine fabulous women who've been with us for years and years. They're brothers, husbands, father, father-in-laws, sometimes come and go. And then we have two guys come from Salamanca, Mexico on the H2A program. Really? Mm -hmm. So you are employing people from Terry County right now? 25 families. 25 Not families. including our own. That does not include our ownership. So... Yeah, we have a pretty big payroll. Well, so that actually leads me into my next question, which was how does the wine industry impact Terry County? Well, largely. So Terry County is the grape capital of Texas, um, and that was a proclamation that the late Buzz Timmons worked very hard, along with Lorena Valencia, our chamber director, to obtain um, so that we could identify ourselves amongst the growing amount of AVAs. And AVA stands for American Viticulture Appalachian. Um, and that's how you know where wine comes from, which is super important that you understand the origin because each site offers up. We keep our vineyard um, soil or terroir, if you want to be fancy, on display in the tasting rooms just to show you, even though they're all three located in Terry County, you have different ratios of clay and sandy loam and 
granite gravel, well, not granite gravel, but granite drainage, and that imparts all different types of flavors to the profile. You're just filling me. You're sweet. Drinking through a fire hose, huh? So we're going to flip back over to sports for one second. Please do. I promise you. Which is just hilarious because I never played sports, so I jokingly call it the sports ball. Really? So our family was into rodeo, right? So rodeo is a huge sport. Um, but as far as like, I think I played seventh grade girls basketball and that was tragic. But yeah, but I'm coming to enjoy it more in my See, old age. I think <laughs> sports is an American tradition. It is. Oh, oh I love me the, the movies. I can quote you every oh, baseball okay. movie there ever was. Yes. No, I... I love it in that fashion. And I think it's incredible for our youth. I think our youth, kids who have played sports, know how to commit to something, know how to show up, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a dedication. They have a dedication and a work ethic. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Versus those who maybe stay home and play video games all day, right? <laughs> so, yes, no, I have a, a huge admiration. I just, I just don't have the buzzwords and the terminology for it. Well, you could okay. educate me through a football game, I promise. Maybe. We'll try. Maybe. Okay. But actually, now that I'm, I'm curious, what yeah. is your favorite sport? Rodeo. To watch. Ra- rodeo. rodeo and race horse, really? horse racing. Yeah. Hockey, and I'm from the north, right? Okay. So I'm from the northwest. So if I'm going to go to something live, I love watching hockey live. Um, not so much on TV, but yeah. I love what my favorite thing about sports is like anything it's the stories it's the montage it's the hard luck right it's mm-hmm. the long shot 50 to 1 in the race that's that's what i love you like the odds i like the odds you like mm-hmm. the excitement yeah it feels like you like the, i like uh, pulling for the underdog and boxing underdogs. my granddad was a golden gloves boxer so oh, really? yeah so we have a very you know, like we hold boxing in a high regard um, wrestling was really popular where i grew up in my little tiny town with 24 kids in my class, you know. Oh, wow. So we had a lot of really great champion wrestlers because we're in the mountains. It's mm-hmm. an indoor sport. So I do like watching wrestling. Of course. Because that's the one thing I maybe have some knowledge about, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So what is, if at all, I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know if you'll know. Okay. But are there any benefits for athletes to drink wine? Let's say one of age. Sure. Sure. Like, what are the benefits? Heart health. Um... If you're drinking red wines, it's resveratrol and includes heart health. It's also, um, if you are an athlete, you're usually conscious, if you will, of your calorie intake, right? Mm -hmm. So those wines are paired with certain foods. Lots of people who are into fitness, you know, the main thing is eat protein, drink water. So, and then you take your caloric treats, if you will. Or macros. Keep track of your macros. Okay. Stuff like that. There you go. Um, In small doses. So if you have a choice between a fudge brownie that's going to be a thousand calories, right? Mm -hmm. Or a beautiful glass of red wine that's going to offer you a sensory experience and a slow sip. Just like I had to have coffee to get through this. A lot of those farmed products that bring us joy, they have... The sensory experience that accompany them so you're you're getting the smell of coffee brewing it's the ritual of getting up and doing the same thing first thing in the morning either if you're taking in a sunrise or a devotion or if you're a list maker you do that over coffee you know there's a lot of good memories tied to coffee your grandma's house smell of it um, same with wine so if you're going to choose those treat calories if you will as an athlete a really great glass of, of red wine that either you know is made by Drew Bledsoe 
in Washington. Yeah. Or <laughs> so happy you brought that up. <laughs> so many. It's a great place to hide money if you're making too much money on your sports contract. If you're doing well, because um, it costs a fortune. So oh, you can. Yeah. They say, how do you make a fortune in the wine biz? You start with a double and you lose half. I mean, that's just the way it goes. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, that is a popular way to enjoy your experience, take in some treat calories, and pair it with the the steak and the high protein that you're engaging in. Fantastic. Did that make sense? Yes. It, no, was, it felt did. really long and rambling. No, I'm really so did. sorry. It made perfect sense. Okay. Good. Well, good. So now we're going to get into more of the fun questions, mm-hmm. not the you know education. Sure. Who, who wants any of that? Fire away. So, do you drink wine all day? I do not. You don't? I do not. I drink a lot of vodka. Um, a lot of vodka. <laughs> yes. No. So there's a couple reasons why. A, I had. I'm 46, so I had a. Uh, I used to drink my weight in red wine. And yeah, and just like anything, your your body, your palate changes, your allergies. You know, they say your allergies change every seven years. Um, and it's my business. True. And so once it is your business, all you see are the negative, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's something you do all day, it's like somebody who owns a chocolate factory. Okay. Nobody, nobody who works owns and works in a chocolate factory all day goes home and eats a Hershey bar. Really. You think so? You're satiated with it. You're done. You want something entirely different. Okay, so, but then, I mean, that has a conflict with us, though. No, not at all. So we, and then there's a second thing called house palate. If you only drink your own wines, made by your winemaker or yourself, you become super accustomed. You you have markers in your brain when it comes to food and wine that you don't even realize, right? Mm -hmm. Um and it's as simple as, you know, when you stop at a gas station to use the restroom, and I know this is a horrible analogy, mm-hmm. but this resonates with probably everybody in our country who's not a wine drinker. You know, when you're traveling, that there are gas stations that you can walk into and you know immediately whether you're going to use the restroom there or not, correct? Yes. Based on sight, appearance, cleanliness, smell, all those smell. things. All yeah, smell. Sensory. All your sensories. Mm-hmm. And if it's a great restroom, don't you tell yourself, I'm going to remember this gas station? Yes. Yes, you do. Yes. Just uh, like low prices. you remember low prices? Correct. Same thing applies into a much sexier, alluring product, right? <laughs> yes. So if I'm only drinking our Syrah, let's say, my brain will begin to think that this is what Syrah should taste like, no matter what. And I'll never strive to grow a better vintage, to dial it up, right? Mm-hmm. To improve mm-hmm. because my brain believes this is Syrah and this is what Syrah can taste like. Mm-hmm. So then if for some reason, God forbid, our Syrah came in slightly flawed or during the winemaking process, we make our wines off site at the two crush facilities in town. If something happened there and it was to impact quality, my brain just says, it's okay. This is what Syrah is supposed to taste like. And it's a slow evolution, but it can be your downfall. So that's house palate. So we drink wine, we taste for quality. Um, when we're building our blends, we check to see if the aging process is going right. If somebody walks in here that I am super enjoy and I love watching them have, be happy and they're having a wonderful time inside this space that our family has curated, I'll have I'll do a toast with them. Mm-hmm. I'll taste what they're tasting. Mm-hmm. But no, I do not just sit around and drink wine all day. For me, drinking wine has to be in a really safe space. Mm-hmm. People I love and trust, because inevitably they're going to ask me something, and I have to be able to, to know. You know, I was discussing business with you here this morning. You could have flipped the record switch on, right? I could have. We have a client here looking at a fruit, asked me some questions about our industry. I have opinions about that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So unless it's kind of an offsite place with a group of people that are truly close to me after 20 plus years in this business with the right ambiance, give me a, you know, like a wrapped red velvet lounge, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> Late at night with a cigar and about five people in this world that I trust and a, and a band. And that's about, and that's when I enjoy wine. Just out of curiosity, what band? Yeah, any band. I'm a live music freak show. Really, any band. Any band. band Songs are good. Give me a favorite. Oh, I don't have favorites. You don't have favorites. No, it's. I don't. mm -mm. Okay, tell me, country. Everything, but I mean, largely, predominantly country, and and the Texas music scene. I I, we have amazing singer songwriter people that come out of Texas Mm -hmm. that I love. Oh, very. Um. Okay, you want me to name names? We have. So we have. We have. Music is very integrated with our brand, right? So, I've seen that. Yeah, so we sell uh, bulk and fruit to, well, not fruit, but we sell bulk wine to Miranda Lambert, right? So if I'm, I'm on a girl power mission, I'm, she's playing. Um, a girl power mission. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, singer, songwriter, just like poet, right? Like a poet of the people, Drew Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if to just really jam out, uh, Shane Smith and the Saints and Bennett, the fiddle player, he's Kentucky Brown, he's pretty well known for his incredible fiddle playing capabilities and it's cover all wearing uh outfits on stage you know mm-hmm. they actively drink our wines and pour our wines at a festival and it, we count them as dear friends um so those are three people i can name you yes ma'am all from texas well drew's not from texas but all living and working in texas at this point how about that yes ma'am yeah do all wines get better with age no no it's like anything else it's how it's built so if you're going to paint a car you really have to sand everything down first, right? Strip it. Strip it all. Then you have to prime it. Then you paint it. Mm-hmm. Then you seal it. Okay. Right? Yes, ma'am. And that keeps your paint job on for longevity. Wines are built in the very same way. How are they How are they crushed? How are they pressed? How are they aged? How are they treated? How are they gassed? Where were they stored? You have made more analogies with wine uh-huh. than I think I could sport, <laughs> personally. I mean, you have made... Have you been a sports broadcaster for 20 years? Six months. Okay. So when you have 20 years under your belt, you will be whipping out analogies left and right, too. And in all technicalities, I'm not even a broadcaster. I'm a journalist. You're a journalist. Sorry. Yes. There's just not very many good journalists left in this world. So I want you to fix that. I'm trying. Okay. One step at a time. One step at a time. That's how you eat an elephant. One bite at a time. That's why I didn't flip the record switch. Thank you. Good job. Yes, ma'am. So you get asked about wine frequently? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you do. Yeah. How often? 24-7 on every level. And it's my job. I'm in, um, part of what falls under my list of things to do is our social media and our interviews. This meet out, you know, our outward brand messaging, if you will. So I'm talking about it in every fashion possible. Mm-hmm. Via text, via email. I don't do email. I quit at age 43. But, um, you know. But yeah, on the Instagram. You're supposed to just say the gram now these the days. Gram. The gram. Oh, mm-hmm. so we're going with social trends now. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I'm not going to lie. So, I'm 21 and I use Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Good. Thank you for not that. Gram. Not the gram. I know. We're so not going to shorten things here. I can't stand it. My so child tries to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So on the social platforms, um, and like I'm driving to San Antonio in the morning to do oh, a panel, right? Mm-hmm. So on an educational platform, in here in the tasting room with whomever may walk in the door, mm-hmm. a brand new newbie. Or a sommelier. I believe I walked in the door Friday. Mm-hmm. I walked in the door on Friday as a newbie. Yeah. 
And I actually got... But you're liking it here now, huh? I love it. (laughs) I think you might hang out. And you don't have to drink wine. You can grab a panini and a bag of chips and a Topo Chico and just work on your laptop. See, that sounds very exciting. Yeah, that's the vibe we try to create here. It's a very homey vibe. Thank you. That's what we're going for. For all of you that didn't know, we are actually at White House Park. Yeah. And it's fantastic. You're very sweet. It's a beautiful scenery. Thank you. We just want people to feel like they're coming over to our home. Oh, of course. And enjoying life. And that's how it feels. I mean, seriously, when I knock on the door, I feel like I'm knocking on a friend's house. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Yay. Fantastic. Um, What's our crowd favorite? Yes, ma'am. We don't have one. We ask ourselves this (laughs) probably four times a year. And then we run the reports and all the wines are selling evenly. So either we're truly flawed on our point of sale or we're just really making the wines that appeal to our environment and our crowds. Makes sense. Yeah. So there's no fan favorite. That's sad. It's not sad. It's well, again, actually, it's evolutionary, it right? Like it's for you. What about what about if somebody trots out this brand new quarterback fresh out of high school? Okay. 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 I like Killed it. Killed it in high school. Mm-hmm. Killed it at district, right? He's the guy. You put him in an NFL. They don't put him in first string NFL setting right off the bat. No. No. Not at all. Cuz couldn't handle the pressure. Nope. He couldn't make uh, business decisions, they call it, right? Nowhere to safety up on that kind of level. Because nope. we're not talking about, you know, winning some banner and making your coach proud and taking home the head cheerleader. Hey, we're talking those banners, business. Those banners mean something. <laughs> Millions of dollars. Yes, they do. They mean something on that level. But then when you get into a, a league, of course, now. right? It's a business. Now it's a business. Everything's a business. Like everything else. Even high school, though, so. I know, here in I Texas. Am. Here in Texas it is, for sure. No, everywhere. Everywhere? Everywhere. Okay, yeah, and now our athletes are signing contracts, right? When Did not law just pass? It, for high school, it is passing. Legislation is visiting it. And okay. And they might pass it. They probably will for here in Texas. Louisiana's already doing it. Oh, sure. But Texas is probably on the verge of high school athletes making money. Now, what you're referring to, wow. I believe, is college athletes. Yeah. Yeah, across the board, NIL, name, image, and likeness is completely taken over the NCAA. Yeah. But, I mean, that's not, not a topic in this discussion. We can have a discussion about that for an hour. No, there's something important about our Texas Tech Red Raiders that my, my football guy, Bryce, so... Was it the $25,000 that each Red Raider is getting on the roster for community service? Yes! Look at you knowing that. Yes, ma'am. They also just built a $200 million facility add-on. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Okay, well, you know what? Community service is important. It is. No, I completely agree. What I it is don't so important. So is buying a player at the college level. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, there's, I mean, NFL athletes that can't. I mean, their brain. At times, it's hard to fathom that much money. Right. I'm oh yeah, you don't come from that much money. Exactly. I've experienced that, oddly enough, uh, with Native American gaming casinos. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm from the Northwest. I really like cowboys and Indians everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I was a marketing director at um, a casino in Payson, Arizona. And it is, it's crazy when you look at someone, and and I loved my conversations and my experience there. I joke that cowboys and Indians and the casino biz is what prepared me for the wine business. <laughs> it's a knife fight or a cockfight, however you want to look at it. We have labels. Yeah, literally have a label. It's got a cockfight on it. Um, but that's that's what it is. And but my point is, you look at a culture that sixty years prior, you know, lived on a reservation, didn't wear shoes, only went to schools if the public bus system took them there, and now 
they're responsible for balancing millions of dollars of budgets. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a huge spectrum to cross in just sixty years, right? Yes, ma'am. You know, first you're worried about indoor plumbing, mm-hmm. and now we're worried. And about now we're worried about managing millions, and and most people can't do it. They're not equipped. They don't know where to go for the resources, sure. because what if you never went past a fifth grade reading level? Very true. How are you supposed to, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's many, many barriers to that rapid success. So, yeah, I get it. Not everybody's equipped, which was my high school quarterback analogy. Exactly. Same with wines. We can make what we think a crowd favorite because we know how hard it was to grow mm-hmm. or we knew how well it grew with very little manipulation. And then we name it some ethereal farm name okay. that means the world to us, right? Mm-hmm. Or as a tribute to our late dandy or something of that. And then we set a price point on it. Doesn't mean the audience likes it at all. True. Right? Very true. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. It's just like an NFL team getting a quarterback that they think is fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, fans hate him. Yeah, can't perform. Or exactly. what if he's just a jackass? We all hate those. <laughs> can't stand those. Yeah. Right? Ruin right? Exactly. There's so many more. Uh, wine is so, um, it's just so experiential and so personal that if you were a racehorse guy, I would use all racehorse analogies, right? If you were an art guy, I would use all art analogies because they're all true. It's really just this very simple living, breathing product of enjoyment that can be integrated into your life. No, the way you've explained wine to me just now mm-hmm. is making me want to go down a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm so glad. It's fantastic. I still got it. Okay, good. (laughs) What is one of the most important things to consider whenever we pair a wine and a food? Um, A, do you like both of them? Fair. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Do you like both of them independently of one another? Okay. Okay. So start there. (laughs) B, um, if you don't, would you eat? Yeah. You mean independently of one another and then you know in the olden days it used to be whites with fish reds with with steak and you know red meat reds but it's not so that white, way white. yeah white wine with white you know with fish and chicken and red wines with meat red meat and it's just not that way anymore because we have so many fusion right like fusion is a thing now mm-hmm. right there's mexican food there's tex-mex there's I love Texas. Me too. All, me too. Um, so there's all these other things that come into play in the way of sauces and spices and, you know, Americans, we love to just dial it up constantly. Salt. And so, <laughs> so much salt. Salt everything. Yeah. Before you even try it. Nope, you want to make me angry? Salt your food before you take it. I'm, this is my husband and I go round and round about this. Like, I just can't. Like, oh my gosh, you don't know what you might be missing. It's a, it is, I have heard it is a sign of disrespect. Very I'm much so. Yes, and then... Ba- that way, I won't do it. Right, and back in the olden days, that's when we did real live job interviews, mm-hmm. and you and manners and etiquette played a part into whether or not you were going to get hired. Yes, ma'am. That was a really great telltale at a job interview. They'd take you to a really nice restaurant. If you salted your food prior to tasting it, you weren't good for the team. No go. Yeah. That's weren't crazy. good for the team. I know. But now... We just need a workforce, so they slap a job app on Indeed, and they take any live any living body at this point. So, really, yeah. kind of. I mean, have you seen our workforces lately? They're 
Which ones are you referring to? Lacking. Any of them across the board. You name it. Supply chain, service industry, all of them. We are struggling as a nation to get people to show up with a conscience and work ethic and stay. Okay. I'll agree. Yeah. I'll agree completely. There is a a smaller number of people in the world that do want to work. Mm -hmm. Truly. Mm -hmm. And work hard. And work hard. And earn their living. Yeah. We've got this screen culture. These little kids think they're going to make millions of dollars being a YouTuber. I mean, but can they? 1% of them can. Is there enough room for the 1% to sustain our whole generation that grew up on screens? No. Very true. This is very true. But I mean, in a way, are you not an influencer? Not not on purpose. But are you influencing? Um, through social media, through a screen. Yeah. I, get, I would say if, if somebody is open to it, if they want, it's not what we're setting out to do. But if somebody wants wants it, sure, I guess, sure. You are. Yeah. I mean, I'm flipping I would rather be an influencer right at home as a mom, looking my children in the <laughs> eyes, and making sure they grow up to be kind people. That's the kind of influencer I want to be. Really? Mm-hmm. Not the screen? No. Not the millions of dollars? No. You turn it down? Yeah. In a heartbeat? On a heartbeat. My dad was a bronze sculptor. Okay. For a living. He's a cowboy. Mm-hmm. A bronze sculptor. And I have a very uh, first-hand look into people who have lots and lots of disposable income. And all they're trying to buy is their happiness. And you can't fill that hole. Things will never fill that hole. You must have peace and joy in your heart. Whether you've got $5 or $500 million. Because money can't buy happiness or manners. Ever. It can't buy happiness and it can't buy manners. I completely agree with you. And it won't help with manners at all. But I do believe... There's security. It'll buy security. And most people confuse security with happiness. I agree. 100%. Back around. Sorry. You're going to go on rabbit holes all day. I know. (laughs) Okay. I think we've touched on it slightly. But I want to hit it directly. How do you create a wine flavor? Or even do you? Because the way I heard you describe it earlier... We do um, not. The grapes tell us. I was about to say, it doesn't seem like you do. I mean, you, you set parameters, right? Because people are so used to, we've become such a convenience culture that they do want, uh, th- they want the the security of, okay, I this is what Merlot tastes like, this is what my Merlot tastes like that I've chosen from said brand, and they, they want it to be the same every year. And that's when you get into big, huge production wineries, or what we call recipe wine, and they take measures both scientifically and and other ways to provide that consistency we do not as growers we are it's about the expression of fruit so we bottle every year what the vintage gives us period so you might not you might love ramble on one year right it's 100 percent tempranillo um and then the next year it's tempranillo with 10 percent senso and five percent kumwas in it just to make the production and so it might taste slightly different. And if you are just a person that wants things to fit in a box, you're going to say, mm, I don't like Ramble on this year. And you're most likely going to try and find a new wine within our portfolio. Jump over to Jackknife and decide that's your new favorite, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a true enophile, somebody who just lives and dies for wine, you are like, oh, this vintage is different in this way with essence of blackberry and nutmeg and blah, 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 blah and dirt. Blah. <laughs> and so you're going to revel in that and you're going to pull you're going to hold back wine and you're going to keep bottles from both vintages and taste them side by side which is called a vertical 
And then you're just going to be one of those people that be like, mm, 17, it was a good year. Fair. Yeah. So we don't create wine flavors. No. Wine, wine properly done is an expression of fruit that we just are lucky enough to bottle up. I love that. I love that. I'm so I glad. I love how in love you are with wine. Thank you. I love it. Yeah. It is almost inspirational. Well, it's agriculture. I'm in love with the agriculture. Okay. Yeah. Wine itself is a living, breathing, breathing product that will fail you in the bottle and a vicious, hollow business. But the agriculture of growing wine is admirable. And we have the very best people on our team. So this is going to be my last question. Okay. And it is a good one. Okay. What wine would you think I would like? Ask your questions. Yeah. And And do it. it Okay. What did you drink? Do you remember what it was the one time you had the horrible experience? Um, And it's fine to say Boone's Farm. I'm not going to laugh at you. I don't remember what It's most everybody's introductory wine. It was a box wine. Mm -hmm. Okay. At a party. At a party. Yes. Had you eaten anything that day or drank any water? Yes. Okay. That's good. Most people haven't. Most people go into a wine drinking scenario dehydrated and on an empty stomach and that amplifies your discomfort significantly I was 18 years old uh-huh. and uh, it's probably Franzia I would be willing to bet let's just say I never went anywhere hungry I was eight <laughs> good job I don't know. Your mom is proud of you. Uh, well, what about that? <laughs> this is all I ever say to my children. You gotta drink your water, eat your protein, wash your hands. Wash um, your hands. Yes. Okay. So probably was it pink? Yes. Mm, it says white Zinfandel. It's disgusting. It was disgusting. It was disgusting. I try never to put down wine ever. Right? I don't put down sweet drinkers because the wine snobs do. Um, and I love dismantling wine spots. That's my sport. If you could list me as a sport, the only thing I've ever lettered in is drinking in bed and dismantling wine snobs. So, um, but yeah, it is, wine Zinfandel is disgusting, and I will openly say that. It is like the trademark wine of just grossness. Yeah. I'm running down right here. Drinking in bed. Katie James. That's my sport I lettered in, you betcha. So is my winemaker. We have like drinking in bed drink offs. Really? Mm-hmm. Drink offs. Not together. <laughs> he and his wife. <laughs> he and his wife spring drink. Drinks with drinks. They're quite famous. So you're sitting here getting, you know. Oh my God. There is no. Gr- I didn't do anything. Yeah. You put yourself. I put myself in that. There's no greater thing than drinking in bed. Really? Oh my God. Yes. So what wine? What wine? What wine? Or for you? Mm-hmm. Um, I would pour you our sweet wine. Okay. I would start. Actually, I would pour you our sangria, most likely. Ooh, I, I know a song about sangria. Yes, yes. It's a, it's a good one. It's got it a pretty a great song. guitar riff. Yeah. Um, I, I think I would start you on our sangria. And let me tell you why. If you didn't enjoy it as the chilled wine version that it is, you could drink it like I drink it. How do you drink it? The Katie Jane cocktail. Um, oh. I drink it heated Ooh. in the winter Ooh. with our cotton honey, oh. a splash of Grand Marnier, pecan whiskey, okay. cinnamon and nutmeg. That and was a lot of ingredients. It's my cocktail and I don't get sick. Really? Mm-hmm. That is very exciting. Yeah. So we would find a way. There's, You'll never taste all the wines made in this world. So when people say, you know, I don't like wine, well, there's... You'll, you'll never make your way through all of them. So I invite people to say, I haven't found a wine for me just yet. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. 
Well, Miss Seaton, yes. I apologize. What? This is all the time I have. Oh, sure. You're great. But for everybody that's going to listen, this was the Game On podcast with Katie Jane Seaton with White House Parker. Farmhouse Vineyards. And Farmhouse Vineyards. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Appreciate your time. Anytime.